Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 97 of the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we run through the amazing Pi Day extravaganza that is NFL free agency. Talk about the winners and losers of the NFL free agent day that was March 14th. And then baseball is back. We're going to talk about some of the big trades that went down in Atlanta, New York, and where will Freddie Freeman play baseball next season? But first, you know what time it is, run the music. everyone welcome to the podcast i'm your host matt guest with me out in las vegas getting ready for his fantasy baseball podcast you can catch matt morris on fantasy baseball buds talking super in-depth fantasy dynasty baseball stuff matt morris what's up pal how's it going dude baseball's back yeah man i think uh i might have gotten a little bit of my soul back this past (laughs) week no but seriously i go into hibernation from about the end of September through football season until March. And honestly, I was worried that we were not going to have baseball till June. Yeah, you were freaking out a little bit. I mean, honestly, from the numbers perspective that we've talked on our podcast, it just didn't seem like they were going to find a way to meet, you know, meet an agreement. And boom, all of a sudden, everything moves so fast in the amount of signings and trades. It's been crazy. And honestly, we talked before I went into work on Thursday. I expected everything to start that night. And uh, we know it took a couple of days to get going. But I woke up today, I think, over 50 notifications via baseball and football on my phone. Oh, uh, dude, it was crazy. Yeah, it was you wake up at beautiful. like 12 o'clock Pacific time. Oh, two, you know, two o'clock. It was solid two, yeah. two o'clock today. Yeah, because you don't get off till four. You don't sleep till 5 a.m. because your job, yeah. your day job. I guess you can call it a day job. Night um, job, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like <that>. yeah. <laughs> and like, that was what's funny because I was texting you. Like, I was on our Twitter while I was doing my stuff and whatever. And I was like, dang, Matt's going to be so behind when he wakes up this morning. <laughs> like, shit is popping off. And, you know, that's why we wanted, we skipped the draft series last week. We do plan on getting back into that with March Madness next episode. Um, but we definitely needed to get into the free agency because the tampering period, like we all know, the second the tampering period's open, it's like, boom, this guy's here. Boom, that guy's there. Okay, awesome. Everyone has a new team. Oh my God, the Chargers are going to win the Super Bowl now, right? Like everything just gets so <laughs> crazy in the amount of like the span of, you know, I'd say six hours, if that, man. So that's what this episode is. We're going to break all that stuff down for you guys. We're going to start with the NFL and then move on to a lot of the news in Major League Baseball because there's a lot of big trades and acquisitions as well. So let's run into NFL. Let's get this going, man. All right. So with the NFL, Matt and I, we were going back and forth how to do this. Do we do it by team? Do we do it by signing? We're going to go a nice chronological story by each team and how the news broke, starting with the GOAT himself, Tom Brady, Sunday night, goes and watches Cristiano Ronaldo score a hat trick for Manchester United. I want to say it might have been a Champions League match. Once again, this isn't a football uh, soccer football show um, but real Ronaldo goes crazy and he says you're done right Tom next day he's back Brady's confirmed via himself to, on Twitter and on Instagram that he's coming back to the Bucks. that just kicks off the wild day that was free agency so with Tom Brady coming back man what did Tampa do right they already uh, tagged 
Chris Godwin the other day, but they did lose a lot of assets. I will say what they did end up holding on to was valuable. In my opinion, Matt and I are definitely differing on Tampa here. They tagged Chris Godwin, re-signed their center, Ryan Jansen, and they actually re-signed Carlton Davis three years, 45 million. I think that's a solid price for a Pro Bowl second best corner on the market, Matt. I think the the Bucks are back. I put a hundred bucks on them to go ahead and win the NFC, be back in the Super Bowl. It is Tom Brady's division conference to lose, in my opinion. You you highly disagree with me though. We're we got it heated on the phone today about it. Yeah, man, I, I think losing your left guard and your right guard are massive, massive blows. And with the way that roster is currently constructed, the money that they have available, bringing in replacement all pro pro bowl level guards, which they which is what they lost, is going to be very, very challenging. Brady is going to be 45 years old. Not having a, a strong interior offensive line is going to do a very big detriment to him. At least I feel like this season, we just watched what a poor interior offensive line does to a team in the Cincinnati Bengals. You're in for a shit show when they play the Rams in the postseason. Yep. I mean, Aaron Darnold going up against possibly rookie guards or possibly, you know, backup guards for other teams that have come over on a two, three million dollar deal. I just don't understand what Brady's thought process was was with coming back to this team. And you talked about guys taking a discount for Brady. I'm sure that's probably in his mind. But in order to take a discount, you have to have roster uh, maneuverability as well. They still haven't signed their two running backs, correct? Fournette and Jones are still on the market. As of now, they're still on the market, yes. Okay, I would expect Fournette to probably come back and join Brady in this, right? I agree, yep. Um, And and Godwin will be back at some point this season. I'm kind of projecting week 10, week 11 for him to actually be hitting the field. But again, Antonio Brown's not there. That safety net is gone. There are a lot of pieces from this roster that are going to be different, and I just do not see them being able to stand up against the Rams and honestly the Packers. Like with, with what these teams teams have current standing they have offensive lines they have defensive lines they obviously have the secondary we're going to need to see that Buccaneers defense take that step that we saw in the Super Bowl if Brady wants any chance in the playoffs I do think that division is already won the division is terrible the only question mark I have is if we find out here in two hours that Deshaun Watson is joining the Saints I will guarantee or the, the Saints beats the Buccaneers in that division if Watson shows up guarantee it there's zero question the Panthers Yikes. Uh, And I think Brady still wins it. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with you on the Watson take, but I think you kind of uh, debunked yourself a little bit when you said the division's up for the taking. So they can get 17, 18 weeks of getting to know each other, getting to know the roster. Let's be honest. It's not going to be the same team that Brady took to the Super Bowl and won. But at the same time, they are more and more than capable of winning that division, getting hot at the right time and staying healthy. So. I think when you have Tom Brady as your quarterback, as your leader, you always have a chance. Moving on to today's news, though. So what kicked off today, which is March 14th, a.k.a. Pi Day, a.k.a. my cousin's birthday, um, was the news coming out right out of the morning. One of the first reports I saw is Devontae Adams will not play unless he has a long-term deal, which to me as a Packer fan, and I think the NFL world, if you have a clue, you should know that that's not a surprise. Of course, Devontae wants a long-term deal. He played on his prove-it-year deal last year. He's been the best receiver in the NFL the entirety of his last contract. So the man deserves a long-term deal. So what happened after that came out was the Packers started making moves. The first moves Green Bay did make was they did release Sedarius Smith and Billy Turner. That freed up roughly around $21 million in cap space to then allow them to rebuild the defense. 
Offense is important. Devontae Rodgers is really important. But what they had to do was bring back their all-pro middle linebacker, their spark plug cornerback in Rasul Douglas, and they actually got one of the Smith bros, Preston Smith, to sign, as he called it, a lifer contract taking less money, taking an incentive-filled deal to now put the Packers over the cap and get three massive contributors to that division-leading team last year in the NFC. They got Russell, they got Devondre Campbell, and they got Preston Smith. Now, what is happening is Aaron Rodgers is going to take what I like to call the LeBron James deal. What he's going to do is what LeBron has done for years in the NFL, or excuse me, the NBA, taking one-year deals at a massive signing bonus to allow cap space for the team to pay for other players. So Rodgers is just going to take one-year deal, one-year deal, one-year deal until he's retired. And what that will do, because it's a signing bonus and not going to fully affect the cap, is going to put the Packers in the $31 million range, which thus will allow them to sign Devontae to the 31 per year, which he rightly deserves. And the Packers will literally have 98% of the same roster that they had last year. That was the number one seed. Bravo to Green Bay. Well, it's interesting because you talk about that $31 million uh, gap that we will have. Devontae, even if he comes in at $31 million per year, that won't be a full cap hit at $31 million. Correct. Normally, how you see that, I would assume 18 to $22 million of that money will it be may, against Maybe the cap. it'll even be 25, right? Yeah. Who sure. Knows? At, at the high end, but it, it opens the door for us to add at least one more piece here, right? What that piece is going to be, I would assume, is an offensive weapon, is a guy that they can bring in to be the second wide receiver to Devontae. I think we will see that not necessarily in the coming days, but probably in the coming weeks, because we need this market to ultimately dictate itself right here. We have Christian Kirk getting $18 million per year. That is going to have 21 with incentives. It's insane, but it's going to send ripple effects across the wide receiver market here. And Devontae Adams locking him up at 31, it's an absolute must, must happen. But honestly, if this is true from Roger's perspective and the reports that you're getting, amazing. You know, it, amazing. it's complete polar opposite of what was reported. And again, this is what happens. You're quick to the report. You don't get it from the source themselves. You look like an idiot. Roger, Rogers could not be doing anything opposite than that four-year, $205 million contract that they talked about him signing. Kudos to him if this is, in fact, reality. Yeah, and I mean, when you really think it out, and we're no salary cap experts, you and I have been doing a lot more research into it and how it works, and we're still novices, right? Like, we, we really, truly don't understand the intricacies of it, but that's the move that makes sense, and that's what he's been saying all year, this past year, in this offseason, and through our guy, Pat McAfee. So, I have to trust Rodgers. He told, told the team, I'm coming back before this time to bring Devontae back. Devontae will be there in training camp. I put this on TikTok already today. Packers Nation, Packers fans, like seriously, I wouldn't be worried. I'm not. Well, it'd be interesting <clears throat> what we have to do for that offensive line now. Losing Billy Turner is, is a big blow in my opinion. He was great. Depth. Totally agree. He was there at right tackle. He could play left tackle. He could play the interior of the line. I think first and foremost, First, second round, we need to address that right tackle position. We need to yes, bring sir. a guy in that has, you know, the the ability to play multiple positions. We're not going to have Jenkins until probably week 10, maybe week 15, 16, as we saw with Bakhtiari. That ACL is going to take time to heal to heal. So we're going to have to continue to give Rogers protection. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they sign a guy like they did Kelly in the past to a $2 million deal at the Agreed. end of free agency. Just stick him in there. Have him as that rotational piece. Um, but as far as you said, 98% of this roster is coming back. We are probably going to lose MBS. Again, we talked about that a little bit, but the line is the most important um, place of weakness that we have right now. We've got to find a guy in a, a cheaper deal and bring him in. Totally agree. Speaking of a team that needed to shore up their offensive line, everyone knew it. They were on the brightest stage this past year. The Cincinnati Bengals kicked off the next kind of ripple effects to their day was they signed Fred Johnson 2.5, a little under $2.5 million, adding to, the, in my opinion, their super successful day. They also picked up Patriots center Ted, I'm going to mess up his last name, Karras, three years, $18 million. And they also picked up your guy, Alex Kappa, four years, $40 million from Tampa Bay, as well as signing their defense, a defensive tackle, BJ Hill, for three years, $30 million because they did lose Ogunjabi and then also got Jesse Bates to his long-term deal. Massive day for the Cincinnati Bengals. Massive day for them. Huge for the future of that franchise. And you are seeing it when you hit the jackpot and you have the rookie contracts. Watch the hell out because you have the luxury of doing this. <laughs> the prime example, we'll get to them in a little bit, is the Chargers. But bravo to the Bengals. Made every move I thought they needed to make. Okanjabi's going to hurt, but I don't think that's going to really be a detriment to them whatsoever. I think that Uzama losing him will hurt a lot more, but still, man, they'll be fine. They will be fine. Great day. If you're a Bengals fan, I know some of those players, it hurts to lose them, but welcome to being a winning team. Well, and we knew, I think coming into this off season, the off season, they were going to lose one of their interior defensive linemen. Correct. I think, you know, I think they made the right choice with signing uh, BJ Hall. That, that was, that was the player I wanted to see come back. Um, and as far as Uzama, Uzama up until last year was basically nothing. He was a rotational piece that kind of benefited from having a supporting cast around him where he had more open space to maneuver. And I think did kind of come into his own. Great signing, I think, by the Jets to bring in that veteran presence that has Super Bowl pedigree to him. But from a Bengals perspective, you can go out and probably either draft a guy third or fourth round or possibly pick one of these wide receiver, uh, tight ends off the market as the market cools down a little bit and fill him in and get similar production. Hell yeah. But you're right. They're building the pieces on this team that they had detriment for in the Super Bowl. Build up that offensive line. Continue to support Joe Burrow. I still say end of the first round, go draft another lineman. you got to continue to build depth. We've seen in Green Bay what depth does for an offensive line. It makes everyone around you better. As you slide those pieces in that are bench guys that should be starters on other teams, you continue to see that camaraderie and a team work together well. That's what the Bengals have to do. As you said, they will be in a position in a few years here to add more defensive weapons. But I think right now, shoring up the offensive line and stealing one of Tom Brady's biggest pass protectors was a massive win. Could not agree more. Great take. Next team that made a big splash, and we kind of called this wrong. I don't know if you called this guy or not, but uh, Chase Edmonds goes over to Miami. We both were on Miami's for sure going to pick up a running back. They need a solid back to help out Tua Gaskin just isn't the guy I like him you like him he's just he's average at best right so they pick up Chase Edmonds on a two-year 12 million dollar deal I thought it was a great deal and they had a nice day Matt they didn't do anything crazy I didn't think they overspent I think they're being really smart and I think they're still gonna make moves I think they're gonna get Robinson in a little bit but they obviously got Mike Gusecki back on the franchise tag they did get Teddy Bridgewater to commit to a multi-year backup quarterback role in Miami. 
I think that is so significant for two reasons. One is to obviously have a mentor there for Tua, someone who's been through a lot of bullshit with a lot of different um, organizations of people not really wanting him at quarterback. And then B, he might be the best backup in the league now. Right. Like having a good backup isn't a bad thing. And then lastly, I thought this was kind of an underrated signing by Miami was they got Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys plucked another weapon out of Dallas. We'll get to them three years, twenty two point eight million. Uh, I know Dak and the boys aren't happy about that. I thought a nice opening day for Miami, man. They took care of the little things. We love the coach. Matt, what do you think about their day? I love their day. And I just want to start off by saying poo-poo to the Arizona Cardinals. You couldn't pay up $6 million a year for Chase Edmonds. You're absolutely out of your well, mind. We're getting to them next. We're getting this to is, them next. This is sad, but love the signing. We had talked about Raheem Moser possibly joining this team. Yes. And I think it could still happen on even a cheaper deal than Edmonds signed. But Edmonds fits this offense perfectly. Coming from San Francisco, the new head coach is going to have the opportunity to run a similar spacing offense again with Wilson coming over as well. But this is a big thing I saw in the playoff games and especially at the end of the season. He found space on the field to maneuver and he was open. Who is yep. going to need that guy when he's going through reads that can find the ability to just find that space? I think with these signings today, what they've really done is allowed the playbook to open itself up and to space the field. I want to see Allen Robinson there, but if it doesn't happen, I think just today alone, this team is better coming into this season, better prepared via its scheme than we had in the last coming seasons. And that only benefits Tua and the ability for him to grow as a quarterback into what we hopefully see as a valued pick in the first round. Dude, for sure. Super well said. I, I agree. I thought they had a great day, a day that the, the national media is not going to talk about, but I thought it yep. was great. Poo-poo to the Arizona Cardinals, Matt Morris says. <laughs> the next deal on there that actually they fell 1-2 was James Conner re-signing with Arizona. Three years, $21 million. So there's that $6 million, $7 million for James Conner. You and I talked about it on the preview episode last time. If they let him walk, if they lose him, I mean, F, right? Like that might, that, he was the biggest impact player on their offense this year. Not Kyler, not DeAndre. It was freaking James Conner. They got him. You called it. They got Ertz back. Oh, I thought they overpaid three years, 31.6. They got a linebacker, uh, Gardick back. They got a D lineman. And then I thought this, another underrated signing, but I like this. Colt McCoy back as the backup, two years, 7.5 million. I, I, top of my head, I think he won three games. That's a solid day for Arizona. They got the guys that we both talked about they needed back. Yeah, and I, I have two points here. I want to touch on James Conner first and Chase Edmonds. You, you're talking about a combined salary here yearly of $13 million. If they would have brought Chase back, maybe you pay him the same amount. Maybe it's $14 million, million annually. That is still cheaper than some of the star running backs in this league. And when they produce together, they are better than these stars of this league. They're a great combo. So I don't love the fact that they let him go. What they have to do in the draft now is draft one of the guys that we are going to speak about yep. on Thursday. Yep. They absolutely have to take a fourth round running back. You have no choice. And you have to hope that he fits your scheme. You know, again, we'll talk about that more on the draft series. I think I'm going to hone in big on these guys with the projection of going to Arizona. But I do love Connor. You had to bring him back. Yeah. And I think, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say to that, I think the fourth round guy they get is Kennedy Brooks. Like, I think that's the fit. I think that's your third down back, catches the ball, can play in space, right? You don't need to reach for Kennedy Brooks. I don't think anyone's going to. Um, I thought of Kennedy right when I saw Edmonds go, to be honest with you. 
Well, and you're right, and and that lowers the the cap hit, right? I think a fourth round pick, third round pick is roughly going to be around that eight hundred to a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, that way, you save that five million, that you know six million dollars you would have spent on Edmonds, and that's money that is now going to possibly Ertz. I think the biggest loser here in this overall uh, signing for the Cardinals is the Philadelphia Eagles. Ertz <laughs> was an afterthought with Wentz, an afterthought with Hertz. Said to be done, right? A guy that went from a top five fantasy tight end, a top five league tight end to, you know, always washed up. He wasn't washed up. He was playing with bad quarterbacks. We're seeing that now, right? And Hertz, I think ultimately, you know, we can't really call him a bad quarterback, but he wasn't ready to utilize Ertz. Ertz goes ahead and goes with Kyler Murray and has some incredible games this season. I thought it was an absolute must sign. I had said that on one of our episodes. Sure did. Very happy he got paid. Because to tell a guy that he's washed only to you know ultimately realize, no, he was in the bad system is a very, very like proud moment, I think, for a player in his career. And he cashed in on that today. 100%, man. The next team, this I think this might have been the news of the day, to be honest with you. There's a lot of shit that went down. Um, Pittsburgh, they signed Mitch Trubisky Mitch. to a phenomenal deal. $7 million a year, two years. Mitch Trubisky, we talked about the quarterbacks last time. Teddy, Bridgewater, Mariota. I thought Mariota was going to be the mobile guy that goes to Pittsburgh. Um, I'm stoked for Mitch. I no, I don't think he's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. I don't think he's going to lead Pittsburgh to a winning <laughs> to winning the division. But I do think Mitch Trubisky gives himself and the Steelers a shot every single Sunday rather than having Mason Rudolph out there. And for that and that alone at that price, that's a win. You spoke about on our last podcast that they need a transitional type of quarterback, a guy that can be a placeholder, I think is the word that you said. So you can still go get Kenny Pickett. You can still get Malik Willis. You can still get Bailey Zapp. What? Or (laughs) any of these other quarterbacks out there. And Mitch is that guy. I thought the signing was great. I was stoked for Mitch. I think this is a really cool fit and a really cool opportunity for him. Um, one second before I let you go, they also got Miles Killerbrew back and uh, their offensive tackle, uh, Okoro. I can't say this guy's name. Okoro for uh, three years, twenty nine point two five million. Huge. They their line is one of the worst in the league. I love this man. You couldn't have Me said too. it better. Like. To to realize as a a biased Packer fan how much I dislike the Bears, you got to look at the Mitch Trubisky situation. I am so happy for Mitch to have an opportunity to go to a winning organization with a winning head coach. Again, Talman's never had a losing season. In my opinion, the second best coach in the league. Absolutely. And and Mitch gets to re- define his career here because day one, you're the starter. There is nobody challenging you. You couldn't have gotten You literally could not have gotten a better position. And I don't think that the Steelers could have signed a better quarterback, right? Mariota, as you had said, there's injury risk there. You know, that that's a huge shatter Big to time. the overall system that you're trying to build in Pittsburgh to have Trubisky, who's proven to be able to stay on the field and, and is proven to showcase good games. I think they're going to pull every bit of talent out of him. I think for $7 million, he bet on himself. The team the team is literally, this is the best signing of the day. There, there is no question about it. <laughs> Dude, I know. It's crazy to say Mitch Trubisky, but I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. And then on the flip side, right after that comes out is his former team. Well, it's two former teams ago, the Chicago Bears. What did they do? Spend $40 million on a defensive tackle. That's their <laughs> only move today. And, and, and hey, don't get me wrong. I thought them, we didn't talk about this yet. I thought them shipping out Khalil Mack, was actually a phenomenal move for the Bears. Yeah. They don't need him. I think I saw on Twitter, and this is probably wrong because I saw it on Twitter, but I think they're looking in the ballpark of $120 million in cap space next offseason. So, like, they're obviously... Rodgers signed with the Packers and the Bears waved the white flag, and that was smart. 
The Bears wave the white flag. It's fine. You're not going to win. They know that. Then you get Kirk Cousins going for $40 million guaranteed in the in Minnesota. They actually think they have a shot. It's like, at least Chicago's like, you know what? Give us two years. Fuck it. Let Rodgers do his thing. We've only have maybe two more years of him, and then we're going to come for their throat, right? And and what do they do? I just don't get the Ogunjabi. Uh, I know they're going to lose Hicks, but $40 million, like, why not just save it? Just suck. Tank. Who cares? I, I that. I hated this deal, honestly. I did. It didn't it, make it make sense to me, Matt. I don't get it. Well, there's two things here. You know, first being, I love this from Chicago's perspective because you're right, cap space next year. But more importantly, you have a new regime. How many times in the NFL do we see a new head coach, a new GM come in? Cap situation is not ideal. It's never really ideal for their entire reign in in the front office, and they don't get to create the system and the team they want. What does Chicago get an opportunity to do now? Create the system and the team they want focal around a rookie quarterback. All of these things are pairing up for Chicago to be able to build a good football team moving forward. I agree. Because if you think about it, this will be the second year of Justin Fields' contract. He will have three more years of his rookie deal, which, yes, does include his fifth-year option, which does take a large cap hit uh, around the $20 million mark. But you're going to have three full seasons to start to build the pieces around Fields that you feel like best fit your system. Because yet we really don't know what Justin Fields is on the football field. Give him one more year with, you know, a mediocre team that's probably going to land you a top 10 pick and then absolutely go all in. Love it. And as far as the D tackle signing, my opinion is they are banking on this kid exploding to be a top 10 defensive tackle, signing him early, signing him young, signing him with the intention of him being a high ticket player when they do start to capitalize on these draft picks in this cap space. Yeah, man, I I feel you there. I I just thought it was interesting. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I I somewhat agree with you. We'll see next year. We'll see the year after that for the Bears. The Bears are for sure two years away, and it's actually nice. It sucks for me as a Packer fan, but it's nice to see them as an organization actually make that game plan, right? Like, don't try. They're going to try and win, but like, be realistic about where you're at. Next team who, uh, dude, I'm still just struggling to wrap my head around what the fuck's going on out there, man. Seattle, they re-signed Diggs for a massive deal. 13 million a year, Quandre Diggs. He's good. But now they're running with this, Matt. They got Diggs, 40 million a year. Adams, 70 million a year. And then they re sign their quarterback, Sidney Jones, right? They bring over Shelby Harris, who is a beast from the Broncos. And obviously, Noah Fant, Drew Locke, re sign Will Disley for three for 24. I just like, I think they're trying to reinvent the religion of Boonham over there. We talked on the last episode. They have a ton of cap room, so they're going to spend it. Like, why aren't you going to spend it? But once, uh, uh, same question. Make it make sense to me. I, I just don't know what Seattle's doing, dude. What the, I don't get it. Well, and the concern, anytime a team that isn't going to win commits money to a player, my first question is how many years? You look at Diggs. This is going to be a three-year contract. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Three years, okay. uh, three years, 40 million. So three years, he's paired up with Adams there. I, I would assume at the end of that three years, they probably both walk because of the accumulation right. of $110 million between two safeties is just ludicrous. Um, uh, you got to spend the money at the end of the day. You know what I mean? But the concern is how long did you extend these guys? I, I'm okay with three years. Diggs is a good player. Uh, prices, as we've, we've talked about with Christian Kirk in the NFL, are going up. They are going up to an exuberant amount of money. Um, and at the, at the also, at the end of the day, Diggs knows how to play in that system. You know, Agreed. Continue to hopefully bring the most out of Adams. 
You've paid Adams the money. You pair him with a new guy that may leave holes on the field. Adams again probably falters. So keep Diggs and Adams together with the hope that that $70 million wasn't completely wasted. And maybe they can get lucky in the draft, find a couple pass rushers, find a couple cornerbacks that turn into stars and kind of like you said, re uh, recreate that Legion of Boom. But ultimately without a quarterback, without a running back, does it matter? No doesn't um you make a really good point though that actually the the voice of reason as i call you matt morris (laughs) um so this team the next team here made their first move of the day and if they weren't located in jacksonville florida they win the day (laughs) if they're if they're any other yeah i shouldn't say any other team if they're a legitimate every a contender every four to five to even 10 years they have this is a day because they end up signing brandon scherf um First, that was their first move of the day. They get Brandon Scherf for three years, $45 million, 30 guaranteed, Matt. Um, we love the move. We talked about him. He's one of the premier guys. You can't have fucking Lawrence out there if no one can protect him. They bring back Cam Robinson on the franchise tag. They do end up getting Tyler Shatley for two years, $6.8 million on the line. And then they just go for it. Every almost every guy on the list that we went through yesterday is now a Jacksonville Jaguars. Christian Kirk, four years, eighty-four million dollar contract to be the number one wide receiver in Jacksonville. Evan Ingram, one year, nine million dollar prove it deal. Your boy, your man, Zay Jones from the Raiders, three years, thirty million. They get a uh, linebacker from the Falcons, Foye Alakun. I probably said that wrong, and a defensive tackle from the Jets, Foley Fadukowski, three years, thirty million. I loved it. Screw well, it, man. That AFC South is trash. Go for it. Let's see, Lawrence. The pressure's on for him, in my opinion, this year. I think they finally put the pressure on him. Let's see it, Trevor. Come on. Well, and the big number that I'm, that I'm liking here is $26 million, still maneuverable cap. That number may change with some of these deals finalizing. I think it's a but little under, I, but still about 20, yeah. Yeah, what I want to see is them bring in the guys at the end of this following week that are going to pay even more dividends, the Billy Turners, the guys that have to get released because a team makes a signing that they did not expect because, you know, B player is available. Those are the guys that Jacksonville needs to bring in to provide depth that we talked about so crucially for these offensive and defensive lines. And I think the sheriff signing was a biggest signing that they could have done. We loved Armstead, but the Armstead injury history was a complete concern that we have, especially when you're talking about a young quarterback. You can't give a guy $20 million and not have him play. So sheriff is a big, big signing. Um, and I think more importantly, take some away from Washington. You know, now Washington's talking about offensive line depth issues. But the Christian Kirk signing is the big concern I have. Crazy, Giving him $18 million, you, as you said, 20-some million dollars once incentives kick. What does it do for the wide receiver market, right? This is what happens when teams like this have money accessible. You need to sign a guy that otherwise wouldn't come because you are Jacksonville. <laughs> so Christian Kirk obviously saw this you know, pop up on his inbox today or his agent left him a voicemail. And I'm sure he started crying and jumping up and down like a child. And he because- said, call your motherfucking realtor, <laughs> baby. Like, let's go. I'm, I'm, hyped Jacksonville. For I'm hyped for Kirk. Are you kidding me, dude? Like, It's too much, though. Oh, God, yeah. Way too much. I mean, I I tried to rationalize it with his stats. Bad. All I did was look at Christian Kirk's stats for 45 minutes and like 21 million if he hits the incentives. They better be going to the playoffs. Well, and and my hope is that, again, you know, we're going to talk about this when we talk about the baseball signings, but maybe Jacksonville said Kirk fits exactly what we want to do with our system. And you know what? 
he's not coming if we don't pay him an exuberant amount of money, but sure. we have to have him based on the offense we want to run. And if that's the case, by all means, I think signing Zay Jones, fantastic possession wide receiver. We saw him we as a number Zay. one. We yeah. love Zay, but as a number one option for the Raiders, as the season came to an end with all the injuries they had was fantastic. Go with the hands, go with the routes, fought for the jump balls. I think that gives Lawrence a guy, you know, when you're scrambling out of the pocket, an opportunity to at least know you got a guy that can catch the ball. This is a big turnaround. You know, if you think about LaVisca Charant as well, I think he's a big winner here as well because you add a lot of depth to that wide receiver core. That should also create spacing for him and allow his playmaking ability to really show a lot of asset on that field this season. 100%. Another team with a young quarterback, young talent, the second pick in the draft last year. The Jets are next on the list. They picked up Lincoln Tomlinson, from the Niners, really big signing, man. Love they it. got him uh, three years, 41.2 million. And that kicked off their big day, man. I thought, you know, another team no one's really talking about. It's the Jets. I get it. You're not going to get the talking heads on ESPN to really give a shit. But they got Tomlinson. They re-signed Berrios, who I love Berrios. He had a great end of the season last year. They signed uh, uh, CJ Uzama, as we talked about with the Bengals, three years, 24 i'm dude matt i still think they're gonna go out there and get a guy like juju i think it just still makes sense the uzama signing really just kind of kept that light bulb on for me they got tevin coleman to come back you know whatever, whatever. and i thought a big <laughs> thing was they actually got lamarcus joiner to come back for a year or two that's huge he's super underrated um i i thought they needed to bring back some of their secondary help because they actually have a really underrated secondary they're the jets right they're just not very good i thought they had an overall productive day their team is better today than it was yesterday and i think that's a huge win for a young quarterback a young team that lincoln thomas man i tomlinson excuse me that's that could change the offensive line completely out there well yeah and you talk about uh the other guard that they took from usc was it uh tucker Elijah Tucker. Barry Tucker, yeah, I think you know that's going to help his development. It's going to help. It's going to help having a veteran presence, uh, much like the Jaguars signing the guard, much like you know the Cleveland Browns or excuse me, the Cincinnati Bengals signing the, the guards. This is such a crucial position to have on your offensive line. It makes your left and right tackle that much better when you have a veteran presence. Yep. And the Jets have utilized a lot of their draft capital in the past years, taking Beacon in the first round, taking Tuck, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker there. You know, they have young guys there that I think can elevate into actually good draft picks if you have the right people around them. Berrios could very well turn into being a similar Hunter Renfro, a guy that can catch 100 balls in his absolute best season if he hits the absolute ceiling of his career. I think why not take a shot on him, bring him back, knows the system and played well this season but again they have a lot of space left how did they use this money do they use this money do they spend do they go out and sign a left tackle when they already have beacon um i i hope not i hope at this point they can continue to build around that defense but uzama too a great pickup for wilson i think it's a safety net for wilson again as a developing quarterback we saw what he did for burrow Another team with a young quarterback here, the Philadelphia Eagles didn't make a lot of noise, but the, the guy they got was really good, man. Hassan Reddick, defensive end, outside linebacker from Carolina, took him three years, 45 million. Thought that was honestly a good price. His numbers, his stats, his pedigree is really good. And let's be honest, <laughs> Philadelphia wants to win games. It's going to be through their defense because they're going to run the ball. They're not going to be a pretty team out there with Jalen Hurts. He's just never going to be that guy who's going to wow you the whole game offensively. Um, Nothing crazy, not a sexy pick by any means, but I think someone that could actually make a serious impact on that defense. 
Yeah, it reminds me when the Packers signed Preston Smith a few years ago, you know, a guy that has had potential, had a few good seasons, you know, and, and wasn't going to be looked at as the number one edge rusher on the market, but a guy that in the right system, in the right circumstances could excel and possibly be or have a top five rush end year. I think that's what Reddick has been all the way dating back to Carolina. He's now bounced around the league a little bit. So, you know, we, we've had kind of these opportunities for him to showcase his talents in different systems, hasn't fully brought it all together to have consistency, but three years, $45 million, he's got the opportunity. You're getting paid now. You got to show up and you got to be able to rush the quarterback. I think it's a good system. The Eagles seem to be able to get the most out of their defensive players. Yeah, they do. They have a great defense. I, I, I'm excited about them this year. I think they're going to have a really nice year. Um, the defending champs didn't make any sexy moves either, but they got their tackle back. Note boom, uh, note boom, excuse me. And their center, Brian Allen, once again, not sexy moves, but those are moves that you need to make in order to get back to the dance, right? The offensive and defensive line are the two most important things on your offense and on your defense. They obviously have one of the best D lines in the game. They've lost a couple guys, but to be able to get their center and a tackle back, I think that's a massive win for the defending champs. Yeah, and I mean, there's still $22 million under the cap. They're going to have to find a way to wiggle around that. I think we talked about that off the air. You know, the Rams, the Bucks, the Saints, they still have some work to do. It's 49ers, Giants as well. Uh, these teams will probably continue to restructure contracts. The Rams, though, in terms of adding more talent, I think what is on the roster currently is going to be the team going into next season. And I found it funny today, Jalen Ramsey sent out a tweet, you know, regarding the Christian Kirk contract, and he said, man, the guys that I'm covering and locking up are getting paid more than I am. And it's like, well, that's the circumstances of signing these contracts in the NFL. You know, you sign it two years ago, you're going to have guys that are nowhere near your athletic ability being overpaid. I am just hoping this Los Angeles Rams team and these superstar players don't start to demand even bigger contracts because they just do not have the wiggle room to be able to extend these guys and start to pay them $25, $30 million a year. Yeah, I think the league's about two years away from the massive salary cap boom. Um, mm -hmm. Knock on everything around you. Fucking some yep. COVID shit doesn't happen, right? Um, all right, man, let's get to it. I think this is the last team we're going to go over today. The undoubted winners <laughs> of the first day of free agency, this entire offseason period. The other team in LA, the team that shares SoFi Stadium with the Rams, the LA Super Chargers. Go, Chargers, go. <laughs> Um, only you can prevent forest fires, right, Matt? Um, so <laughs> the LA Chargers started off free agency by re-signing Mike Williams. You and I are whatever, you know, not that we don't like Mike. I stand on the hill of your best year is the contract year. I hate that, but you and I both know what Mike Williams brings to the table three years, 60 million the other day. They make the blockbuster trade to get Khalil Mack from the Chicago Bears, pairing him with Joey Bosa, arguably the best pass rush duo in the NFL now. Those guys are definitely still elite. And then today, they take the defensive tackle from the Rams, Sebastian Do Joseph Day, and then they get the cream of the crop, the prize possession, the number one free agent outside of Devontae Adams. They get J.C. Jackson from the Patriots, five years. 82.5 million. I'll let you go first, man, on your thoughts on what the Chargers have done thus far, and they still have money to spend, and they will do it. Crown them Super Bowl 2022-2023 champions, the San Diego, oh, wait, Los Angeles I know, Chargers. I know, I want to say it right? every time, too, yeah. 
Um, I think in the rest of my life, I will be considering them San Diego. Um, dude, what a massive, massive win for this organization, for this offseason, for for Herbert, uh, the entire team. Like, you know, we, we oftentimes do crown people for their abilities in the offseason to make moves. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but they did a very, very good job managing their cap bringing in assets that are going to elevate everyone around them. We talked about Asante Samuel Jr. the other day, you know, CJ Jackson coming in at this point in his career, JC Jackson is a possible (laughs) hall of famer three, four years, 25 interceptions. That's incredible. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Now again, does, is he more of a product of Bill Belichick system? We will see. TBD. I think over, overall you're going to have a pass rush that is bringing the heat he's going to have the opportunity for a lot of quarterbacks throwing a lot of lame duck passes because they're straight running for their lives and as in regards to the defensive tackle that they brought over from the rams this is no small feat for them this is a massive opportunity for him he's 27 years old to take the next step and to be a top 10 defensive tackle in this league i truly believe he was undervalued because of aaron donald's performance now the real question will be is his ability elevated by aaron donald and does he come over to la other la and underperform but i think when you have bosa and you have mac rushing the quarterback it doesn't so much matter double teams are not really going to be there and this just helps the defensive line that much more for sure, man. And once again, they have more money to spend. They will spend. It's going to happen a thousand percent. They're going to bring over someone else. I still would love to see Fournette I was crawl just his way say, over there. Fournette. That would be, st- I'm still just kind of, I, I have, this is just kind of a gut thing. I think it'd be a good fit, but I think what's more impressive to me about the chargers, uh, shout out our guy on TikTok, NFL Mike too. I gave him a shout out when they, when they, uh, signed it, the guy's a massive chargers fan. He's pretty funny on there. Um, but dude, I thought this was so smart. Why get offense, right? I get the Mike Williams signing. You and I are whatever about it, but whatever. They had to pay him $20 million. If I'm going to pay $20 million to someone, I'll take Mike Williams, not Christian Kirk, right? Let's just end the debate there. Um, second, why not get Mac Jackson? Let's hold teams to 18, 19, 23 points a game max, right? Because look at Burrow, and this isn't a shot at Burrow, but the Bengals defense really did carry them in the playoffs. The Bengals defense was making the plays to change the games in every game that Cincinnati won. Not that Burrow and the boys didn't do what they needed to do, but that's what the Chargers need to do. If they cannot stop the Las Vegas Raiders in a must-win game on defense, that is an issue. And I think I think the fact that they were able to identify that issue and say it kind of doesn't matter who we throw out there with Herbert because he is going to take the next step to that elite status. Right. You have him pretty much there. I'm ready for him to do it this year. And this is the time I talked about it with Trevor Lawrence. The pressure's on, pal, in a different way. The pressure's on Herbert now. The pressure's on Burrow now. The pressure's on these kids. You want to say you're better than Russ Wilson? Show it. You want to say you're better than Aaron Rodgers? You're top five. Like The pressure is on now because that defense is going to force turnovers. That defense is going to shut people down. And the Chargers have a legitimate op- opportunity to be the number one seed in that division. They have, I think on paper, they might be better than the Chiefs now. Seriously. All right, transitioning into Major League Baseball. We got ball. Play ball. We're live. So 
What I'm going to do is I'm going to pass it over to the best co-host on the podcasting planet here, Matt Morris, our baseball expert. Go ahead. Let's run through some of the moves. Let's discuss. I have questions. We disagree on a couple things. So run through it. Let our listener know what they've been missing out on since baseball has now officially been reintroduced to the world and we're back. And uh, yeah, let's talk about some of the big, big topics. We have a lot to get to here, but I'm going to blow through this as quickly as possible. And then we're going to touch on a few of these topics and how these teams that either made trades or had some signings are actually going to compete this season and how their roster construction is looking. So one of the big things to start off the weekend, Carlos Rodon signed in San Francisco, two years, $44 million. Carlton Kershaw is back with the Dodgers. One year, $17 million, very big for Dodger Nation. And then to get to some of the trades, Minnesota sent their... Um, catcher Mitch Garver over to the Rangers for Kiner, Isaiah Kiner Falefel, which was then immediately traded to the Yankees with Josh Donaldson for Gary Sanchez. This is an opportunity for Sanchez to kind of reinvigorate his career a little bit. Staying on the West Coast, Chris Bassett was actually sent to the East Coast. Chris Bassett is going to the New York Mets. Could be a really big uh, anchor in that rotation, being the third starter, ultimately kind of paired up with Scherzer and DeGrom. Sonny Gray is also headed to the Twins. The Cincinnati Reds basically completely blew up their team, traded uh, Sonny Gray again to the Twins. And then today, they also made another deal. They sent third baseman uh, Angelio Suarez, as well as Jesse Winker, who had a breakout season this past year, over to Seattle for what was essentially a pitcher and a complete dumpster full of trash. Uh, and then getting back to the Yankees, signing having Don Donaldson now in that lineup is going to kind of solidify third base. But we expect more moves to be made. The last really big news and worthy topic is going to be Matt Olson being sent to the Braves. I think that's the first topic we want to discuss here. <laughs> what does it mean Shock for Freeman? Waves. Right? What He's does gone. it mean for Freeman? And uh, we we talked we talked about this on the phone today, Matt. Um, Matt Olson will be 28 years old at the end of March. Freddie Freeman is 32, going on 33 at the end of September. So it'll be his 32-year season. Um, what do you think that this affects the Braves? How did you feel about the trade? And then what did you hear across Twitter, the Twitter, Twitter sphere, based on what Braves fans felt about the trade? Yeah, so like, I mean, just the obvious thing was the trade goes down, Freddie's gone, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the gut reaction. And, you know, I, I've done a lot of thinking, deep thinking about it too. And I, I like Matt Olson. He's a player, man. He's really, really good. He's a solid player, good um, all-star caliber guy. And my initial reaction was it was fucking dumb because what they ended up sending over their second, fourth, sixth, and 20th best prospect, they as in the Braves, uh, to Oakland, correct? Correct. Okay. So I didn't like that. But going and asking you about these prospects, at the end of the day, out of those guys, we're looking at one potential, like really, really good stud that could be a generational talent, you know, maybe a couple of them. But with that being said, it made me a little sad, <laughs> you know, like it made me sad that Freddie's going to be gone. It made me sad that the Dodgers are now just this team because I think Freddie's going to the Dodgers. I think that's it's it's set in stone. The rumors are that Freddie's has a multi-year contract from the Dodgers. I'm sure it's upwards of, you know, 30 million a year for five years, something like that. I'm sure it's going to be something ridiculous um, for a guy who's 32 years old. I like the Dodgers. I don't like rooting against them. And now they're just that team, right? Like they're the Yankees of the West. We will buy our way to championships. And that was my first take on it. And that I was a little bummed that he's going to the Dodgers. Like I just wanted him to run it out with Atlanta, especially after winning the World Series. But moving over to the Braves, I love it. And I think this might be crazy, but I think they won the trade. And I'm even including Freddie Freeman in there. Freddie Freeman is a 
potential Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. He's the heart and soul of the team. But I think Matty Olson fits in with that attitude of the Atlanta Braves. I think he fits in with the culture there of the, we are still disrespected. We literally just won the world series and no one gives a shit about us. We are the, as I call them, the Island of misfit toys team, right? That is the Atlanta Braves. And I think that is why I love the move. If we're going to lose Freddie, F it. Let's go out. We're going to run it back. Acuna's back. They have Albies. They have my boy at third base, uh, Matt Ry- Austin Riley. And now Olsen, I think the Braves, and we are going to get into our MLB predictions and our picks and stuff like we did last year a little bit later, but I, I'll tell you the, the viewers early. I'm picking them to run it back in the East. I don't give a shit about the Mets. So end of the day, sad that he's going to the Dodgers because like uh, it's just Oh, the Dodgers sign everyone now. Um, but I love the trade for the Braves. I think their future is still really bright over there. Yeah, and we talked about this off the air today. We kind of broke the numbers down, and I want to do that for the for the listener right now. Ronald Acuna signed a 10-year, $124 million contract a few years ago before he became the superstar that is Ronald Acuna. They bet on his future. He bet on taking the money now that's guaranteed, and they both agreed, boom, deal done. They're deal. saving roughly two to three hundred million dollars on this contract if you look at the same contract that fernando tatis signed which by the way or Lindor he's out, too like, he's out three months with a broken wrist because he crashed his motorcycle um oh was yeah. that what it was sorry off topic that's he crashed his correct motorcycle. so we'll kind of pivot here a little sorry, bit guys. the yeah. san diego um padres have the opportunity right now to completely void his contract they Gone. have cause Gone. they have cause it is literally in his contract. He is not allowed to operate motor vehicles with two wheels. He crashed a motorcycle, broke his wrist. Now he was not able to uh, notify the team because of a 99 day lockout. So there's a lot involved here. San Diego has come out. Dude, and said I didn't they, know that's how he broke his wrist. I was correct. just about to make jokes that he's that wrist is a glass wrist. You know, call him the guy from Derek Zoolander, right? The hand model. <laughs> oh my, I have the best hand. What's his name in the movie? You know, what I'm talking about though. Oh right? my gosh, <laughs> that's all I was gonna um, say. I was like, this is the mother. <laughs> Damn. Staying on topic here. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, San Diego has agreed not to void the contract. I mean, there is a lot of legality that goes into voiding a contract. They'd have to, of course, prove it. He did inform them that's how he broke it. So, you know, did, was it documented? Was it recorded? All of that. I'm sure. But they basically came out and said, hey, we uh, we respect the relationship. We appreciate the relationship. We want to keep Fernando Tatis in we San Diego. We can't lose season ticket holders, basically. 100%. So he has promised the team he will not operate a two-wheeled motor vehicle again moving forward. But I just want to say moron. he avoided catastrophe. If you look at Pete Alonso just today flipped a four-wheeled vehicle that rolled three times, almost died, completely unscathed. Thank the heavens. He's all right. But I want to date this all the way back to Williams in Chicago, which was, I think at this point, probably 20 some years ago in our life, where Williams was the Bulls point guard coming out of Duke, played great, got in a motorcycle accident, never, ever was able to really recover. Didn't make an NBA return. Newton but, too, dude. Yep. Wasn't the same. These injuries in pro sports, you're, I mean, you're literally so close away from having a career ending injury. So Tatis avoided catastrophe, but will be out three months. Yeah, sorry. Get back to we get back to the Braves. Though you're going over the salary cap stuff there. <laughs> 
So back to the Braves and the salary, uh, as we were talking about with Ronald Acuna's 10-year, $124 million deal, they also have Ozzie Albies locked up until the 2027 season. His total deal was worth about $45 million. We talked about where Matt Olson's standing was. He is currently in arbitration years, which means his performance ultimately dictates how much money he gets paid at the end of each season for the following year. But when we crunched the numbers, it came down to about $25 million of just free money if they had just kept... Uh, Freddie Freeman, that money's not there. So ultimately what you're doing is you're trading, yes, all of these top prospects for Matt Olson, a player that is arguably in his prime, operating at over a 270 batting average with 40 to 50 plus power potential and the opportunity now with $25 million on the table with all of these contracts to go out and sign bullpen arms, starting pitching. I think when you talk about the trade of getting Matt Olson and a $25 million player, they absolutely won this deal. And honestly, Goodbye, Freddie. It sucks from a fan's perspective because, exactly. yes, Freddie Freeman is a brave. But what is more important is that baseball is a business. And unlike most organizations, it, the Atlanta Braves are not owned by a singular player. They are a public company. So the, the they have an obligation to their shareholders to put a good product on the field every single year and to be fiscally responsible with that money. So they're one of two major league teams, if I am correct, that have to report earnings. They made $100 million last year, and now they're saving more money by not signing Freddie. I think one of the best baseball decisions that has been made in a long time. Hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know that. You educated me there. I didn't know they were a publicly traded company, I guess we can call it. Um, that's interesting. The other trade I want to talk about before we wrap up the pod here, we're almost at time, was the Josh Donaldson move. Um it didn't make sense to me. I, I The only part that makes sense was they got rid of Gary Sanchez. They as in the Yankees. Like, I get that. He was a cancer on that team. He was underperforming. Um, talked at nauseum about how much of a liability he was. We had Danny on the pod last baseball season. She's a massive Yankee fan. She fucking hated Sanchez, obviously. I, you know, most Yankee fans did. Uh, so I get that's why. But Donaldson, really, especially with the comments that he said about Cole last year, um, interesting locker room. They're they're either that team is literally only going to hit home runs. There's not going to be any real at bats up there. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about this at length today, kind of going over the depth chart of the New York Yankees. How does Donaldson fit in? I mean, you look at what that team now holds. Yeah, it's barely <laughs> Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, Josh Donaldson, right? Sanchez is now gone. And you're going to have to build pieces around that. Anthony Volpe is going to be the prospect that ultimately comes up and takes shortstop reigns for probably the next 15 years. You know, their heir apparent to Derek Jeter finally arrives. Uh, Gleyber Torres is just not, he's a shell of his prospect self. And then you have question marks at first base, and now you have question marks behind the plate. So bringing Donaldson in, I think really, in my opinion, was their way of saying, hey, you know what, we, we, hit, we kicked the tires on Carlos Correa and Trevor Story. They either want too many years, they wanted too much money for the one-year deal we were going to offer. We're going to go out, we're going to get somebody for the lineup, we're going to get a guy with power that ultimately would give us the production that Story or Correa would have. Right. The only problem is it's two years, $50 million. It's a lot of money to allocate towards a guy when you have a lot of other holes on your team. Last thing I really want to say here, uh, if kind of regarding the Braves, if you would like to buy the Braves, you can buy them at $31. <laughs> Their ticker is B-A-T-R-A. Is the Liberty Braves group. That's just incredible, man. These teams are out of their minds. I love it, though. Uh, but I do hilarious. not love the Yankees lineup this coming season. I, I have a lot of questions. Yeah, once again, we'll get into our predictions. I, ugh, man, I don't know. They got a lot of they got a lot of work to do. Um, they're not winning the World Series right now on paper, that's for sure. 
But I mean, they've got a whole. They've got to play against the Red Sox and the uh, the Rays. I mean, you're not I mean, in an easy well, division. What arms do they have? End of the day, like who's going to go out there and win a big game besides Cole? Like, look at the well, Dodgers this last year. He couldn't year. even do it. I know, and that's me being right? nice. That's me being nice. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm not ready to start bashing on him. It's freaking March. You know what I mean? Is it like, time I'm, to? Should we start stretching? Get you know, get our rotator cuffs warmed up, <laughs> dude. I <laughs> I played shortstop <laughs> in softball. Yeah, I threw the second ball like pretty hard. Nice play, dude. Threw it pretty hard, and I looked at the girl. I played co-ed. The girl standing next to me at third base. I was like, I can't pick my arm up, dude. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm about to oh, drink. So I, was like, I was like, I'm about to drink another beer so I can stop feeling this right now. <laughs> Welcome to my life, my friend. As we get closer to 30, which I am 30, it, everything stops working. Everything. Yeah, it's just out the dude. window. Yeah, it hurts, dude. <laughs> but everyone, hey, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back with a we're gonna do a half March Madness, half draft special because gotta talk March Madness. It starts Thursday. I know we didn't bring it up on the pod at all today, but it was just a wild NFL day. Um always follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at PitcherBetPod for daily updates, uh videos, and clips from the pod. We will see you guys Thursday. Cheers. <laughs>